Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Roger Barrington is making a massive difference in the lives of youth in our city. As founder and executive director of Can You, Roger and his team have made nutrition, health, academia, and leadership their focus in the hopes that students in grades 5 to 12 can live up to their potential. I sure hope that everybody has somebody uh, close to them that, that believes in them and roots for them and encourages them. That's, I, I, I have too strong of a belief that life is not that terrible, that that, that can't be true. And, you know, we're, we're proud of, of the accomplishments that our kids have made, and we know that mentorship is a huge part of that. I sat down with Roger Barrington to talk about Can You and how it got started, the value of mentorship and leading by example, and what we can all do to inspire actual equity in our city. Roger Barrington, thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast. We were supposed to have you on a, a couple months ago, or at least a month or two ago, uh, but this whole COVID-19 thing kind of threw that all askew, but we're joining, you're joining us now via Zoom for the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, Nolan, thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. I wanted to talk to you for a long time. I mean, ever since I, I've gotten to know you a little bit more, I think we might have interviewed you for the radio show or for a video back in the day, but Can You is such an incredible thing. You're the founder and executive director of Can You. How long has it been going? And maybe before we sort of get into how it all started, give us a breakdown of what Can You is and what Can You does. Well, yeah, th thanks, Nolan. And yeah, so Can You's been around for, um, you know, we started our first pilot program in uh, 2010, and we uh, did that for a couple of years. And I'll tell you a little bit of, more about that in a second. But um, you know, Can You is evolving. Can You is a, an adaptive organization that is looking to serve Winnipeg. It's a Winnipeg-based uh, charity that focuses on uh, uh, providing kids who wouldn't maybe otherwise have those kinds of opportunities with uh, uh, amazing mentors and educational enrichment opportunities that will help them reach their full potential. And and so. Um, but it's it's also the the twist on it uh, i think is that uh, we're trying to create a an organization or even more than an organization kind of a way of thinking that uh is mutually impactful or collectively impactful so that uh and a very efficient and effective uh you know social innovation enterprise and so we try and um set these up so that uh, CanU is essentially a decentralized uh, volunteer and partner driven organization where young people have an opportunity to learn how to um, serve the community or learn how to hone their own leadership skills. And so they are be being given with not only the opportunity, but the huge responsibility of designing learning experiences for kids starting in grade five and uh, progressing through to graduation from high school. So, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about that, but, uh, you know, that's the essence of it is this um, organic, um, decentralized, partner-based movement uh, to affect powerful social change in Winnipeg. Very cool. And the thing about that is there's so many elements that need to go into a successful human being, right? Or, or you know, to, to create awesome. someone who's, who's confident and, and, and powerful and invested and wants to make the world a better place. So like, how do you navigate constantly having to evolve 
and learn like, okay, well now we have to, well, for COVID example, like now we have to implement technology that some kids might not have even experienced before. So like, what's it like to always try to be one step ahead of what kids need to be able to become successful, productive and well adults? Mm. Well, and what a fantastic question. So the, um, I'm thankful that this is part of our our DNA. This is part of um, CanU's um, way of thinking that we started actually uh, with constraints. We we you know the the very reason that CanU exists is because in the way it does is because we didn't have the resources uh, to start a a charity that now reaches as many people as CanU does and. So we were forced to be innovative right from the start and think of alternative ways of doing things. And it ended up becoming a real rich um, process and relational experience with all of our partners as we collectively tried to figure out how to each have a little bit of skin in the game in, in appropriate ways to affect change. And so, for example, the University of Manitoba was a partner right from the beginning providing space in kind for us to invite children beginning again in grade five to the campus to be introduced to the dream of post-secondary education and and those facilities are you know i mean uh, priceless in a sense you know i mean we wouldn't be able to afford to pay the rent on those kinds of things so you know we have uh, that kind of way of thinking and it's led us right into the covid 19 in fact I've been talking to our staff and some of our key stakeholders. This, um, this is, you know, as as troublesome and as uh, uncertain and as anxiety-producing as the pandemic is. And I'm so thankful we're in Manitoba, where we have had, uh, you know, less impact, negative impact than than in other jurisdictions. But, you know, we we have been looking at this as a, an opportunity <clears throat> to grow our impact to think creatively again it's kind of can you 2.0 you know we we started as uh, an innovative entity and uh you know we've settled into some really cool things but um you know obstacles and barriers and constraints are our friends they uh they provoke creativity and and innovation so that's where we find ourselves now so take me back 10 years ago when, or when did this idea originate? Why did it originate? What did you see in your community and in Winnipeg that you thought, okay, there, there's some gaps here that we need to fill. And, and just give me some, some background of, of how this all got kicked off. Oh, I'd love to. So, you know, I'm a native Winnipegger and uh, born and, and raised here in, in Winnipeg, grew up in the, in, on the border of the North end and garden city. And, uh, and uh, you know, had my own set of experiences when I was a child and growing up, where you know I I wished uh, that I had had more opportunities. And I uh, you know, in retrospect, and I was very I'm also very thankful for the people that believed in me. And uh, you know, I've had I've had some great teachers who saw the potential in me and and nurtured that. And, you know, went out of their way to nurture that in me, and they didn't have to. And so you know, I was fortunate enough to to be the recipient of the help of others and the encouragement of others. And so I kind of grew up with that kind of as a part of who I was. And, and uh, a number of years ago, I'd say 2006, maybe a, a good friend of mine in Toronto, Sylvia Ruger, a former Canadian Olympian marathoner, uh, tragically just passed away from cancer uh, a little while ago. 
uh, had started uh, post-career uh, an outreach um, program in downtown Toronto. It was called the Running and Reading Clubs. And when I heard about this, I, I was really inspired by it. I, you know, being a, a Winnipegger and knowing some of the challenges that some kids face, I thought, you know, maybe I can do something to promote literacy and to give kids a, a bit more of a chance, kids like me. And, um, and so I began to work with the school system to start up uh, running and reading programs in a variety of schools, first in Winnipeg and then three northern communities as well. And it was a, a very rich learning. I, I'm, 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 I'm so privileged to have had that experience. And in one of the schools that we were working at, I met a, a family and, and the eldest girl in the family, her name, was, her name is Mary, and she uh, struck me as an absolute incredible kid. She's new to Canada, super uh, um, hardworking, bright, athletic, full of potential. But I knew, you know, with her family circumstance and kind of uh, the reality around her that she would have a tough time if she didn't have a little more resource come her way. So I tried to encourage her family to let her participate in the running and reading program at her school. And she did. And then uh, uh, we were faced with, again, a couple of constraints. We didn't have a lot of volunteers. We were, were struggling to get volunteers. And, and, um, and we, we were in a, in a bind in terms of how we were going to sustain this running and reading program. And so the thought occurred to me that if we can't get the uh, university students who are the volunteer mentors in that program to the Marys of the world, maybe we can get the Marys to the university students. And so that was kind of the moment that Can You, the idea was born, the universe, and it, and it kind of progressed. It's, it's a challenge, right? Can you do something? Can you be something? Can you uh, make a difference? And it's also a little play on words, the university, the you of can. And so we really, you know, we've tried to foster and nurture that idea that uh, there, there's opportunities. We can do something. We can overcome challenges. We can um, eliminate barriers. We can do good. But unfortunately, Mary's uh, family um, couldn't spare Mary as a child, as a, a, you know, kind of a helper to the younger kids in the family. So she never was a part of Can You in those early days. And it's an amazing story because we lost track of her. So as in case of so many kids, you know, moving around to different uh, schools and, and uh, housing situations and uh, Mary, we lost track of her. And, and as Can You got going and we started growing from a little pilot program of 15 kids from three schools in that 2010-11 year that was inspired by uh, this six, uh, grade six girl, Mary, uh, we now have you know over 800 uh, different program participant spots in a given year, almost 900. And, and we have 1,200 volunteers in uh, making it all happen. Huge. 65 schools. Yeah. So Mary at, at the beginning in the first five, six years, she, she didn't, she had no idea what she inspired. And um, so I made it kind of my mission to try and find Mary and, um, and to let, let her know and to invite her in as we into Can You as we uh, began to develop programs that were um, more appropriate for the older kids. And sure enough, we were able to track her down and she became such an important part of what we did as a high school student. She graduated from high school. She moved to Vancouver. She's doing a social work 
uh, program there. It's an incredible story. And, um, and I, you know, I am so grateful and thankful to have met that family and, and Mary in particular and, and uh, to see her resiliency, her um, uh, relentlessness, you know, mm. in terms of uh, not giving up and not giving in to some of the societal pressures that uh, kids like Mary face. Well, I'm in my mid-30s now and just sort of now reflecting on mentorship as a concept and, and, and wanting to, you know, I'm starting to understand the world a little bit more and understand I have some skills in certain areas and, and wanting to pass that on in a, in a mentorship role. So like how, how important is that core idea to can you like that one-on-one -on -one mentorship and just having someone to look up to, to, to say that, oh, okay, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. And if they think I can do it, then I can do it. Like what, how, how, how all encompassing and how important is that mentorship? Wow. What a, what an excellent observation and great question. And congratulations, by the way, on your, uh, on your discovery of yourself. I think this is a, a, a big thing. It, it, as we um, move on in life, we begin to, uh, you know, the, the, I think the real uh, important thing is to be able to see who we are and not compare ourselves to others and not judge ourselves based on, in, on that comparison and to be able to accept our uniqueness and our particular gift and, and contribution that we might be able to make. And I'm actually, um, you know, mentorship is super important to me and, but I have a very open idea of it. It's, um, I think we actually can wring the life out of mentorship by making it too structured and mm. too, um, you know, too program driven. And so, you know, my hope in, is that, that we have an experience with university students and even the kids that are coming through, which is really amazing. And there's lots of stories to tell where, they're catching the bug of the fact that they, as they are, can make a contribution either in a short-term situation or in a longer-term situation to the people and lives around them. And so mentorship is really coming alongside someone uh, informally or formally and believing in the best in them and helping that person to discover themselves and their interests and their gifts and their way of contributing and giving back to society. So mm. I think it's a very fluid thing. It, it um, and it does it does require, as you're experiencing, a level of um, self awareness and a level of self confidence that enables us to not think of not not be so preoccupied with ourselves in that process, but truly. Uh, invest ourselves in someone else, care more about them than we do about our, ourselves. And, and I mean, it's natural. We work with lots of university students who are building their resumes and wanting different experiences. So they're young and they, they're inexperienced and, they, and they may, their motives may be not all that pure all the time, but that's a part of the process. That's a part of a person developing and discovering it. And we're so glad that we can provide that kind of a place for young people to develop safely. And I'm talking about the university students. And we're seeing now, this is our first graduating class from CanU actually uh, this year. And we're so proud that uh, we're trying to figure out exactly how many grads we have, but our graduation rate is very close to 100%. Uh, um, we have one student who is going to finish their grade 12 uh, next year. So, you know, we're, we're proud of, of the accomplishments that our kids have made. And we know that mentorship is a huge part of that. Yeah, it's just, it, it's me now kind of realizing 
like I have a younger brother and I didn't even think of myself as someone that would ever be looked up to in any capacity. But now that with my younger cousins or friends, you know, friends or kids or whoever, now I'm just aware of my actions and, and how to influence and how mm. even subconsciously or non-consciously that influences there. But some, some kids don't even have anyone that they can look up to. So how important is it for someone to just have, you know, someone in your corner? Yeah. Like, and, and is that is that kind of a common theme with with a lot of the kids that come into can you like they just don't have anyone to root for them you know you know it's that's a tough thing to to say i you know i i sure hope that everybody has somebody uh close to them that that believes in them and roots for them and encourages them that's i i i have too strong of a belief that life is not that terrible that 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 can't be true and i think i i I love what you say nolan about you know self-awareness awareness that you have a younger brother and that you have an influence on him whether or not you're conscious of it uh or you know or consciously influencing him i had a an uncle who was uh, eight or nine years older than me and uh, i looked up to him and boy i don't i don't think he realized what an influence he had on my life as i was growing up and he instilled uh, some values in me without knowing it. And he gave me, uh, you know, a sense of security and safety. He was a protector and, and, uh, and he lived life really full. And I really looked up to him. And so I think I just absorbed, uh, you know, some of that from, from people like my uncle Jerry and, and uh, some other, you know, some teachers and, and friends of mine even. And I, now I'm way more aware and I'm looking for, um, ways in which I can learn from practically everybody in my life. And I, I, it's such a rich um, place to be, to be curious and to be open to change and growth. And uh, I certainly find that this is true in the Kanye world. The feedback that we get from the kids is the biggest thing that, and we have so many cool educational experiences. It's, it's incredible what, what is happening, but the over and over and over again, the thing that the kids uh, highlight is, that their mentors uh, were there every week for them. First of all, consistency. Second of all, uh, this idea that you're talking about of someone seeing them and not um, turning them away, not rejecting them. Now that's a very strong word, but accepting and um, seeing the potential in them and rooting for them. I really like that term that you, you've mentioned Nolan and believing in the best of them. And I think it, I think it changes everything. I truly do. And um, it, it has been over and over again, the experience of ours from the feedback we've received from the kids and their families that this is a central key component of what we're trying to do. Yeah, I've, I've got friends and, you know, I've got a lot of acquaintances who have, who have gone through traumatic experiences and, and from the you know the worst of the worst when someone's telling you you're you're a piece of crap you can't do anything you'll never amount to anything is absolutely horrendous but just as bad as having no one to, like you know yeah. not having anyone say anything so how how do you deal with the like obviously you're probably seeing some tough situations a lot of times and kids who are coming from some some difficult situations so like how are you staying positive and trying to like not let that get to you because that could be probably do a number on your mental health and and, uh-huh. and on your team's mental health or on the mentor's mental health well you know nolan it's uh it's a 
I, I don't know. Like I, 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 I see kids as resilient. I see them as um, uh, that there's so much potential there. So I, I know that many situations uh, for our kids are, are difficult for sure. Um, and I don't know why I, I tend to see uh, the hope uh, that's available and, the, and look at it kind of optimistically. I know, I know kids are resilient. I know they are. And in fact, I think that um, there's so much, um, uh, you know, in fact, struggle and suffering as, as much as we don't like it, it forges in us something really, really good. You know, as we come through struggle and through um, difficulty, it makes us into a different type of person and mm -hmm. certainly resilient if we let it. Now, of course, there's lots of casualties along the way, and that's tragic. And, and so I, I think, you know, if we can kind of all collectively um, move ourselves closer to um, being aware and being open and and the COVID-19 response so many gestures of, of kindness and goodness uh, all over the place I mean it, it restores a little bit my faith in humanity that there are so many good things going on and and I'm hopeful that when when we come through this that we we will be a different uh, community for the better for it uh, but you know I, I think we just need to it, it, it comes with uh, a sense of um, optimism and hope that that it's not you know it's not the end of the world we can do something about it and there is hope for a kid to come out of that and you've identified two amazingly difficult situations you know uh, negative messaging over and over and over again or the absence of anything eh? and just being a lost in your own mind and your own narrative that you create about yourself because nobody is helping you see the truth about you the potential that you have yeah I'm noticing, a, I'm, I'm not going to assume I know your stances on certain things, but it, it seems as though I, I've come to the conclusion that nobody is self-made. You know, you hear all these, I'm a self-made millionaire or self-made billionaire. That does not exist to me. That is an oxymoron because everyone needs help almost every day. Like you always have either a mentor or a boss that helped you out or someone that gave you the job or whatever. So like, how do we instill that message to people that there is no such thing as someone doing it on their own like everyone needs a hand up and just to to be on an equal playing field with people sometimes is is a gift right so how do you how do you give that message out to people who think like ah oh, just they, they'll be fine on their own why can't i did it on my own you know like i, I i'm trying to eliminate that mindset in, in people but i don't know how to do it wow well <laughs> if you find out then you let, let them know <laughs> yeah that, yeah that's uh you know, I, I tend to, you know, kind of brush the dust off my feet when I when I, I run across people like that. I, you know, there's uh, life is short, and uh, we don't, you know, I, I think we we, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I try and have the attitude that I'm always kind of listening and looking for uh, the opportunities that are there. That I believe that the the universe is really good to us. That it wants it. It you know we are. It's not, you know, if something is against us, it's what is for us and where can we, where, where can we see that and how can we be that for other people too? And so it's kind of like having the eyes to see and the ears to hear. If we, if we are aware, if we are uh, open, we, 
we will see the opportunities that come our way. And we teach, you know, we, we, we try and live this out in the Can You world where, uh, you know, as an organization, we want to see possibilities and seize opportunities. And so we often talk about that uh, with our volunteers and with our, our kids that, hey, look around you. There are so many opportunities. Uh, which ones are you going to grab a hold of? And when you have the opportunity to grab a hold of it, grab a hold of it. And you're going to be scared and you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to have to learn a few things. But that's, that's a part of it. Try some things. Be free to, you know, uh, make a few mistakes. So, you know, it's, I think it starts with a mindset and, and of course the accepting, like you say, that there are people out there who, who just don't get it and maybe they never will, but uh, there are lots of people who do get it and uh, lots of people who do want to make a difference and lots of people who are incredibly kind and generous. And so I, I want to, I want to align myself and, uh, and learn from and um, be inspired by those kinds of people. I think those are the majority too. You know, a lot of times we just kind of get caught up in the, the vocal minority that might happen to be the loudest and might happen to be the most brazen in their, in their rhetoric, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what most people think or, or feel or do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the end of our kind of time together, I have a segment called Just Because, where we ask the same seven questions of all of our guests and they run the gamut from all sorts of different things, but we're gonna talk about the causes that you care about. You okay to do that? Sure, yeah. Okay, great. Question one, what is the very first cause you actually ever remember caring about? Hmm, wow, Nolan, that's amazing. I, I'm, I'm kind of old, so you're, you're asking me to go back a long way. I don't, I don't know, you know, as a kid, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I mentioned my Uncle Jerry and how uh, he was such a protector. And um, um, I, I think he and, he and others, my parents instilled in me, uh, um, you know, an otherness, you know, another uh, thinking about others. And uh, uh, my little brother is quite a bit younger than me. And, and so I didn't have a sibling for the first part of my life. And, and so I had lots of pets. And I, I remember um, being really drawn to uh, the, the responsibility that I had to care for these pets, guinea pigs, and, you know, turtles. And, you know, I had, I had lots of different, uh, I had a, a Siamese cat named Sinbad. And, and uh, so we, you know, I grew up kind of naturally coming, uh, coming up with a desire to uh, protect or care for uh, others. And it, it could have been animals, it could have been my friends, it, you know, it was, uh, it just started me at, at a very young age, but I, it was dormant. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know how to do anything. I wasn't particularly generous with as a volunteer in my high school years or even my, in my university years. And so uh, it, it laid dormant for quite a while and, and um, you know, it kind of fleshed itself out a little bit later. I remember hearing a, a, a great thought that you can really tell someone's character by how they treat animals, how they treat children and how they treat the elderly. Like mm. people who need our help, you can really tell how someone is when they, you know, when there's someone in a vulnerable position and how, how they get treated. Um, question two, if money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all for you, you could just snap your fingers and something would happen, what's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? Wow, you know, um, Nolan, I think I would, um, you know, in my experience in the recent years in the Canyon world, which is so diverse, there's so many beautiful cultures and 
and backgrounds represented there. I, uh, you know, knowing what I know of, uh, of, of what actually goes on, I, I would try, you know, I would love to get everybody around the table and just to be able to say, look at, you know, your perceptions or your preconceived ideas of this group or that person are, 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 uh, are wrong. Like they're inadequate. You don't know, you haven't experienced. And so I would love to bring together uh, uh, our great city with all its diversity economically and culturally. And I would love to break down the barriers that are preventing us from truly uh, experiencing the potential that our people in, in the people in our city uh, are, are capable of and for our community as a whole. I think, you know, you know, call me naive and, and idealistic, but you know, I think if we start with children and if we begin to believe in them and give them all kinds of opportunities and resources, uh, we're, you know, the, the crime rates and the poverty levels and uh, the food security issues, they're all going to eventually um, go away. Uh, but it, it starts with our perceptions of people who are different than us. And uh, so I would love to get everybody around the table to and to have people tell uh, their stories and for others to tell the stories of others. And, you know, there's an old proverb that says, let another praise you, not your own lips. I love it. It's uh, it really reminds me that I have an obligation to tell other people's stories and mm -hmm. to be an advocate for them and to um, highlight them because they aren't, you know, we aren't necessarily, we shouldn't, first of all, uh, praise ourselves. And second of all, it's difficult to, to, to represent or advocate for ourselves. So I would love to get, again, I'd love to get everybody around the table and um, do whatever it takes for us to uh, be able to honestly see, say that we, you know, we had the wrong idea about others. Yeah, just that education and that experience, it ju it's just the enemy of ignorance. And ignorance is sort of the, the cause of all these, you know, oh, that person doesn't deserve this or that. But it's like, you have no idea what that life is like. But yeah. Yeah, great, great answer for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, question three, it kind of deals with what you were talking about a little bit just now, but what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about your current cause? Hmm. Well, again, I would, I would uh, revisit this idea that, um, the biases against uh, the stereotypes, the um, fears uh, that go along with kind of a scarcity mentality that mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's uh, all kinds of, uh, of reasons for us to fear or to hold on to or to hoard our, our resources and not to be generous to them. I, you know, I, I think, Nolan, I think for me, one of the things that I've been trying to practice a little bit more lately and a little bit more consciously is that is gratitude. And I think gratitude changes everything. I think it turns a person from a fundamentally negative standpoint, a selfish standpoint to a positive and generous one. When we understand that our life is a gift and, uh, that, and it's also a responsibility, that uh, and every part of our lives, uh, there's something good in it for us. That uh, I think it turns our perspective, and so I, um, you know, that's a stigma that I think is part of what we're experiencing in the in what I like to call the Ken universe is uh, uh, the the negative, uh, demeaning, um, small mindedness of. Uh, 
certain demographics or certain culture groups. And I, I've experienced it firsthand, mm -hmm. the exact opposite. Yeah, spending time focusing on the things you have and, being and, and spending your energy being grateful for what you have means you don't have as much energy wishing you had something else or, or wishing people didn't have as, or, you know, wishing you had what others had or, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. That's such a theme in my life lately. Like whenever I get into discussions about people come kind of complaining about, Oh, this sucks. And, you know, you see it a lot with what's going on now and how politicized things are getting that it's like, if you're, if, if we're just thankful for what we have, then we'll understand that there, I don't know. I think it, I, I, think, I do think it changes fundamentally how you look at life. If you, if you start with gratitude. I agree. So that's very well said. Uh, question four, what's a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan, plan A wasn't working out, so we got to go to plan B? Hmm, well, how much time do you have? I, I think, <laughs> you know, life doesn't, uh, life doesn't, you know, it can't be controlled. It can't be anticipated. I think, um, you know, uh, all of life is an opportunity, yeah, and I think it's an opportunity to pivot and adapt. I think that's one of the beautiful things about life is that, there's, uh, it's mysterious and there's uh, gifts in it for us that we, that are far richer and far more exciting and far more enjoyable than we would have anticipated if we had just kind of created this little path where we were doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so I welcome those opportunities and I look for them all the time. And, uh, you know, obviously lately we've uh, been challenged by our reality and, and, um, you know, so uh, I, I'm, I'm quite excited about this organizationally for CanU. It's going to, you know, there is going to be a new normal and we, CanU will be different in the future. And one of the things that I'm working with our staff at understanding is that, hey, let's, this is an opportunity, CanU 2.0, let's, let's create the future for now and how, and create it in such a way that we're open to continuous ad adaptation and agility in, in how, how we can uh, come alongside more kids as mentors and tutors. So we're going to be, we're working very hard already on creating a, a virtual uh, can you where we uh, hope to provide virtual mentors and virtual tutors and virtual uh, learning experiences to kids, not only in Winnipeg, which is kind of what we're limited to geographically right now, but in, in other parts of our province and maybe even beyond. So we're, we're excited about uh, the, the opportunity that we're being given to, uh, to come to respond. We know that so many kids, I, you know, I have a beautiful home and I, I have a lot of freedom and I, I live a block away from a, a beautiful uh, trail. And, 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 but I know that so many of the Can You families, uh, you know, they have, large families and small spaces and with not a lot of green space uh, very accessible to them and and their worries about uh, their economic security and food security are, are are far are great and they're vulnerable and so you know i i would hope that um you know we can provide opportunities and not kind of think well we did it this way all all the time so now we can't do it i guess we can't do it uh, i would hope that our our drive to um, to reach the people in Winnipeg that that would really benefit from the kinds of things that we do that that would drive us to innovation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a weird, weirdly exciting time for certain organizations because now you can you can almost do more 
with the constraints because now the world has changed and you don't have to necessarily be in the same room anymore. You don't have, you know, so now this, this new world presents some pretty exciting opportunities. It's, it's a good way to think about it. Yeah, and of course there are, there are serious constraints. The technology available to some people might not be uh, what, it, what uh, would make this possible, but you know, there's a way around it. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, if that's the case, maybe we can form another way of partnering with our, our, our amazing schools and the teachers that we have uh, that look out for the kids that come mm -hmm. to Canu that maybe, maybe an after school, uh, school, you know, school based um, virtual re uh, classroom would be the way that we can do, or maybe it's an opportunity for us to get some of our amazing volunteers at, from the you know, university students to go into the schools and provide uh, mentorship and tutoring and and learning experiences in that setting so you know what I think there's lots of opportunities here and uh, our the our biggest limitation is the, our limited thinking mm -hmm. well said question five what's the best advice you've ever been given hmm. Wow well that's where, where'd you come up with these questions these are <laughs> a think tank we had a think tank that's what together. <laughs> Well, this think tank's pretty impressive. The um, I don't know, you know, I I, um, I think uh, one of the themes uh, in terms of advice uh, over the years is uh, uh, getting away from comparing myself to other people and to being uh, coming aware of who I am and kind of my purpose on earth, you know. And and I think along with that comes more security and more. Um, uh, confidence, and I don't mean confidence in kind of an arrogant way, but just in a settledness, you know, the ability to not worry about things. Uh, so I, I think the theme for me of advice would fall into the categories of don't worry, you know, don't get all messed up by things that aren't going the way you think they should go, but rather uh, see those um, those interfering little things or those uh, upsets to your to your plan as an opportunity to grow and develop and to become the person that uh, you were intended to become and and to and to give back to the world in the way that you were meant to give back to it. So I think there's so much for us in um, accepting our story, accepting our background, accepting our um, you know, make up uh, our mind, the way I, you know, I, I have these gratitude walks I go on and, uh, you know, I, I express my gratitude for, you know, I, uh, for my family, of course, and for how I was brought up, but for the way that I have um, developed and become and, and am I am becoming. And I, I think it's really powerful. You know, there's, I've heard there's three levels of gratitude. One is to be grateful for yourself. Two is uh, to be grateful for, um, you know, others and how they contribute to your life. And three is to be uh, grateful for the collective whole. So mm. I, uh, I think it's important to recognize that there's lots about us to be grateful for. And then it, it kind of uh, counteracts the, the worry and anxiety and disappointment factors that often throw us off.
Yeah, I think acceptance of self, that phrase that you used is such a rare in youth because everyone's just like so nervous of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, being the wrong person. But when you finally accept yourself, it's such a freeing and beautiful, like I'm pretty sure I just accepted myself maybe two years ago. So I, it's take, it takes a long time to, to yeah. finally get to that point. Yeah. Uh, question six, what advice would you give your 10 year old self if you could talk to him right now? Well, I love this question. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brad Paisley, the country uh, oh, singer, yeah. but he has a, an amazing song called Letter to Me, and he he, uh, he talks about his advice to himself as a 17-year-old. And, mm. and um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, again, my advice to myself as a younger person would be along the same lines as, uh, you know, Roger, you have the opportunity to become the best you possible and so don't get thrown off by somebody else's opinion don't don't you know people are fickle people let you down people will criticize you or they'll pray or they'll praise you and all of it is temporary uh, the criticism and the and the false praise if you will or the flattery it, it um it's temporal but uh knowing who you are and knowing um that you have a contribution to make, that you can do some good, and that you can actually really enjoy uh, life. Life is is precious, and it is a gift, and it is also a responsibility. So I think, uh, you know, and again, there's there. I love the mindfulness um, movement that talks about being very present now, and uh, and I think part of that is being present now as who I am and encouraging others to do the same and being a, a like, like you said earlier rooting for the people around us and being their their fans and their advocates and their encouragers and um so i would i would say roger trust yourself you know don't don't uh don't uh form an opinion of yourself that is uh dictated by someone else they don't know what they're talking about they don't know you uh they will like you one day and they will <laughs> turn they they won't have your back the next day so don't get caught up in that kind of circle of thinking yeah good or bad right and especially right. with social media now you get you know how many likes you get determines how you know right. good you feel and you got to be careful with even wow. if it's positive reinforcement you got to be very careful not to get too uh, caught up in that yeah for sure yeah well thank you for doing this roger the last question is the hardest one um well at least people say it is but uh Question seven is what do you want, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think I'll, I'll go back to uh, what I just said in, in question number six, you know, I, I think I'd like to be remembered as a person who uh, kind of didn't give up, you know, in life and uh, who came from humble circumstance and who uh, kept learning and, uh, who saw life as a precious gift and a, uh, a profound responsibility and who, um, you know, enjoyed coming alongside other people in all kinds of ways from all kinds of different backgrounds and in an effort for them to discover that same truth that they have a precious gift of life and they have a profound responsibility as well. So I think, you know, in that, that's how, you know, the, my realm would be, you know, um, 
I, I want to enjoy life uh, in all of its richness. And I know um, that that has much to do with my friends and those closest to me. But uh, I, I really, you know, I, I would like to be remembered for someone who uh, enjoyed life and who took it seriously and uh, was grateful for it. Well, I'm grateful for this conversation. One of my favorites yet. I really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, maybe can you let us know where people can find out more information about Can You if they want to become a mentor or just help out in any way they can? Oh, Nolan, thanks for that. Yeah, so we have, we're working on revamping our website, but it's, uh, it's uh, canyoucanada, C-A-N-U-Canada.org. And you can email um, uh, info at canyoucanada.org and, and we'll put you in touch with the right people. Uh, we would love. Uh, we're we're uh, maybe I shouldn't let the cat out of the bag, but we're 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 really excited about um, making a contribution to Winnipeg uh, this summer with a bit of a challenge related to Manitoba's 150th anniversary. So stay tuned for some information from Can You on uh, uh, some some a Manitoba can, the Can You Challenge, and we're working with our friends over at Ted's Run for Literacy to create some really powerful, um, hope-inspiring, um, social re-engagement, physical activity stuff that uh, I hopefully will uh, put a smile on a lot of people's faces and give uh, people a little bit of hope for the future. Very cool. Roger Barrington, uh, just so people know, can you, it's K-A, or sorry, no. C-A-N-U, the letter U, Canada.org, can you, Canada.org for all of that information. Roger Barrington, founder and executor, executive director of Can You. Thank you for being on the podcast. It was lovely to talk to you in this long form, you know, fashion. I never get to sit down with you and talk for a long time. We usually just see each other at events or whatever. So it was awesome to sit down and, and hear your thoughts and really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, Nolan, it was my pleasure. And thanks again. I really enjoy, um, you, are, you are an amazing uh, leader and you do your job so well. And I love the Winnipeg Foundation and all the amazing ways in which you serve our community. And again, especially in this time, again, uh, I am so proud of our cities, our community foundation and all of the great things you do and how you make it possible for so many of us to do our little part uh, in contributing to Winnipeg and beyond. So th thanks to you, Nolan, and your, your colleagues as well for making all this possible. Hey, well, thank you very much, Roger. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, see ya. Thank you again to Roger Barrington for the conversation. I've actually wanted to talk to him ever since we launched the show. This is almost 40 episodes deep now, and he exceeded all expectations. I knew it would be a great conversation because he is truly a good man, making a difference for thousands in our city and will continue to for years to come. To hear any other episodes of the podcast, you can visit becauseandeffect.org or just search Because and Effect anywhere you get your podcast. That's on Spotify, iTunes, soundcloud google play google podcasts or just google it you'll be able to find because and effect anywhere you can um every single episode is similar to roger in the sense that they're good people making inspiring choices and uh, i'm really thankful that i get to talk to people like roger and like all of our guests every single week which is yeah it's an absolute privilege all music on the podcast is produced and composed by trenton burton you can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com because that effect is a podcast from the winnipeg foundation you can follow all foundation news on social media by searching at wpg 
F-D-N. You can follow me on social at Nolan Bicknell as well. Signing off. We'll see you next week. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today. See you next time. Same time, same place. And remember, you're only young once. And if you work it right, that might just be enough. Bye-bye.